Hello, and welcome to What A Jazz Podcast. I'm your host, Elza Vishnevskita. In this podcast, I chat with people from around our local and international swing dance community. Today, I sit down to talk to a dancer organizer, the creator of Applejack's Shoes, Jenna Applegarth. We talk about self-identity, the good, the bad, and everything in between of our swing community, our body image, organizing festivals, and what it takes to have a strong dance partnership. Without further ado, Jenna. Excited to be here. <laughs> Me too. We have some wine. Yes. It's a good Thursday evening. It's a good start. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. How how has your year been? Oof. That's that's a weird question. <laughs> <laughs> it's a big one to start. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. Like, you know, you just like rolled in here real soft and easy with the questions, right? <laughs> Um, yeah, it's been really interesting because I don't know, like, I, I think you're in a very similar spot, you know, like traveling all the time. And so in one way, it was kind of cool to actually be home and be in the place that I live. Whereas, you know, the last couple of years has been like, my suitcase is here. My dog is here. My husband is here, but I'm not here. <laughs> and so this has been like nice to actually be here and, um, in some, you know, some parts of it, I was able to spend some time in Vienna, like walking around the city or finding new restaurants and doing like takeaway. Or we had some time where we were allowed to like go in as long as you were only going with people from your household. So that was really nice, actually. We also actually got to go hiking and like nice. go do things that have been on the list of like, oh, I want to get back into hiking. I want to get back into climbing. And I got to do that. And I feel like I now also have friends in Vienna, which I like there were people that were friends a year ago or like that I kind of casually knew. And I, but I think I felt like I had a lot of acquaintances, mm-hmm. like most of my really close friends are all people that I see most of the time on the road and in a weird twist of quarantine COVID stuff, I've like been able to actually build friends from having outdoor like garden beer meetups in the summer and you know stuff like that so it's really really cool I've been able to actually like build a friendship base here so I'm really grateful for that yeah because I now actually feel connected to the place I live but also it's been you know really tough of not seeing family not seeing friends losing my job trying to figure out like I did a whole career change ish like I didn't necessarily leave the old one but at least paused it for (laughs) you know and like really shifted and learned some new skill sets so it's kind of been like a super crazy all over the place year I guess yeah (laughs) totally I mean uh, I want to dive deeper into that career change moment 
because mm-hmm. I also I also had a similar experience. And the way that I felt during this year with, you know, changing jobs was I felt like I'm graduating from school and I'm taking a gap year. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know? So this gap year, just like exploring all the other things mm-hmm. that I've never done. And I just heard people do and works they would have. How was that change for you? Like when did you decide to start looking for a job? And how was that process? Yeah. Um, so I think it started with like, I don't know, there was March. It was kind of like, oh man, it's gonna be it's gonna be a rough couple months. Like this sucks. And then it was like May was kind of like, well, shit. <laughs> okay. And then that with that kind of came this like, oh cool. Well, like it's May, it's June, it's it's kind of nice weather. I can take some time off and enjoy things and it was like this weird spot in my brain of like enjoy question mark like what does this mean and you know lots of tears lots of nights of like who am I if I'm not teaching who am I if I'm not involved in the dance scene and I think that was you know just some I don't know self-identity crisis things that you just have to sort out and kind of talk to yourself or cry out and have some wine and cry into the glass of wine or whatever while you think about it. And there was a lot of that. And I had really, really great friends and husband who were super supportive and like, you know, think of all the skills that you have from teaching and event planning and like, where do these translate and all the skills that you had from before that. And like, even if you do something new, it doesn't mean you're suddenly never going to teach again or like you're never going to be involved again. And so it really helped me to start to think of it as like, oh, it's not that I'm leaving the scene, which I think it really felt like, like somewhere like midsummer, it was like, oh my God, I'm never going to dance again. You know, like guilty feet have got no rhythm. And yes. But it was like, you know, just the strong feeling of like everything felt like it was just crumbling. And then to really, like step back from myself a little bit and just be like, no, like I can learn new things. I can move into new fields. I can take what I know. And then when stuff does come back in a healthy and safe way, I can still be involved and maybe I can be involved in better and healthier ways for me or find new ways to like do things for this scene that I had wanted to do, but didn't have the ability to. And I think that perspective like really, really helped me figure out how I wanted to approach it and just like put me in a better mental state with it. And I was really lucky that I was in a situation where, you know, like I had a second income. I was with my husband working. And so we were able to have this time for me to figure it out where I know like not everybody was able to do that. And, you know, for us, we don't really have the space for me to teach uh, online and do things because our downstairs neighbor gets really angry <laughs> when we mm-hmm. do dancing stuff and there's not a lot of space. And so it was just not a great option. Um, but he was really great in like making sure that he was supportive um, in, in every way that he could be while we went through that. And I'm really lucky that that was the case. So it gave me time to like figure out what I wanted to do, which that was a whole like separate I don't know, crazy valuation of like, I live in a country where I don't speak the native language. <laughs> what job can I do here? You know, and it's like the, you know, it's like I can be dot, dot, dot. Huh. <laughs> it was like, 
<laughs> took me a little while to like fill in my list of like three things. And uh, one of those things was like, do a coding boot camp. And one of my close friends here in Vienna, Hamed, he had actually kind of gone through a, a similar situation earlier on in in the pandemic. He had already been thinking about transitioning out of being self-employed and he had decided to do a coding boot camp on the recommendation of another dance friend who also was a developer. And so it was kind of this long chain. And he finished this boot camp here. And you know, like every conversation, it was just like, my my life, it's amazing feeling. This was such a good choice. So I was like, okay, I'll look into it. And like, you know, started doing some things, playing around and started being like, okay, well, worst case scenario, I do this and I know how to make a website. Yeah. I, that's, that's a pretty good worst case scenario. Like I decide that I hate it, but I still know how to make a website. Best case scenario, I'm like amazing. And then I can go and become a full-time developer. Definitely was not that one, to be clear. Was not that at all. Like, it was definitely not that. <laughs> not like, yet. I, not, no, it won't be. I was, you know, I wasn't, uh, I wasn't bad. I wasn't bad at the class, but it just definitely was like, okay. Once I had spent four or five months doing just coding, I was like, cool. I'm glad I know this. Do not want to do this full time at all no interest in that but it was really cool because it, it really gave me so much information and then I was able to take that and then take my previous skills and combine it all and I've now been working for this really amazing software agency here in Vienna called Wild and I'm working there as a project manager and absolutely love it super cool team of people they're really fun and I really enjoy the work it's I mean project management it's event management, but instead yeah. of events, it's software development. And um, yeah, it's super cool. Work with, you know, fun, interesting clients, crazy clients, just like dance, right? <laughs> like, it's always, so it's cool. It's really fun. And um, glad I did it for sure. That sounds like a very, a big journey, but probably the mm -hmm. one that, I mean, it's hard to believe that this has been going for a year. So when yeah. you're telling me the story, it sounds like, you know, it's like, three, four years of things happening. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? And I'm like, no, the, the coding boot camp was 12 weeks of the actual boot camp and like four weeks of prep work. And, you know, I was super, super lucky in that I did have the previous project event management experience and skill set. And so I was able to take that. And the fact that I had now learned all this software development information and then put that into this position at this company that really was like, it, if you've ever had this moment where you've been like sitting, you'd be like, man, I'm looking for this, 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 and this in a job. And it's like, this is exactly what I need. And it's never going to happen. And then it's like someone knocks on the door and they're like, surprise. Nice. It's exactly that. This is how I felt with this job. So it was really crazy. It felt like it happened so fast. And I went straight from the boot camp into working And so I've been working there since October and then still on top of that, like really trying to stay as much as I can active, at least in like the online dance community, still active with the shoe company. But it's like, it just feels like, yeah, like you said, like three, four years somehow of time of like, it's just amazing that it's all only been a year, but also feels like a week ago. 
<laughs> right? yeah. Like it's just so weird. I I had this feeling that before the pandemic, I felt that dancing and um, being, you know, a dancer, a dance teacher was so connected to my identity that, you know, that feeling also was not very secure because then you, know, you can't just <laughs> yeah, yeah. relax because it's your hobby, it's your passion, it's your job. Everything is so personal, even though you don't want it to be personal. So now when this was taken away and I had to find other ways to live and to be and kind of, you know, re-identify myself. Now when I think of coming back to dance, at least in my head, I imagine it a way healthier relationship where I'm not so insecure. At least in theory, exactly. (laughs) I don't know how it's going to be in reality. But in theory, that experience really was like, okay, look, you can live a completely different life and still be you when you're not a dancer, you know, as a main activity. I don't know. Like, Like you said, it's your life is your passion, your hobby, your work, your friends, your significant other, your vacations, everything is dance and that's where this piece of, it's been really nice this year to be like, oh, I have time to go hiking. I have time. I went on vacation this year, nice. like, which is weird because like, how do you go on vacation in pandemic? But anyways, <laughs> like, you know, like I had time where I wasn't working and I was like, what is this? I haven't had this in so, so long because it's like, even if you're not at a festival normally as a teacher, you're like, you're doing things online, you're doing you know, you're doing class planning, you're doing emailing, you're doing all of these things that just happen 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And then you also have the events. And then it's like, if you want to go see your friends and hang out, you go to an event, which means even if you're not teaching, like you're still kind of on, but then like, you're not getting paid to be on, but then you have like the same, it's, it's a lot. And so it, this idea of like, oh, okay. Like, I have a new income. I can come back to dancing. I can still teach when I want to teach, but I can also maybe go to things for fun. And maybe all these like mentoring ideas that I've had for years, maybe now is the, this is the time where I can actually take that and like put it into action because I'm not worried about paying my bills. Right. Like, I I don't know. I think, you know, it's probably rents a little bit cheaper in Lithuania than it is in Austria. (laughs) But like still, you know, you have all this like you're self-employed and, you know, the work is never super stable. It's always variable and just dependent on what's going on. And you're worried like you got to pay your rent. You've got to eat. You've got to make sure that there's enough money that if something happens, you're you're taken care of. You have to buy clothes and then it's, you know, like the same thing that everybody else has. Right. And so it's like, oh, cool. If I have less of those concerns, maybe I can do other things instead. Maybe I can put my energy into the scene in different ways that are really cool for the scene, really cool for me. And also maybe you're healthier, <laughs> you know, than, than I think a lot of people don't realize how much as teachers or event organizers, like how much you really put into the scene or how much risk you take on or, you know, how uncertain and unstable your life can feel like, even as amazing as it is, like, I don't, I wouldn't take back any of the, like, whatever, 10, 12 years of teaching full time, but it's like, people don't necessarily realize what that always entails And it's a lot sometimes when you think about it. 
of course, this is a moment to reflect on things that you liked, the things you didn't like, maybe some things that were, you know, maybe a little bit toxic. And of course, some things that you miss. So mm -hmm. I was wondering, you know, because it's all like very personal, but is there anything that you look back at the community, the way we left it before the pandemic, that you don't want to have once we come back to some sense of it? Yes, 100%. There's probably a whole list. <laughs> um, I mean, I think there's some pretty obvious ones for me. Like there's, you know, our scene, as much as I love the people in it and I love the progress we were making, you know, we still have and had a long way to go with where we're at in regards to tackling racism and history and gender equality. And, you know, I think that, I don't know, like there's, those are some pretty big things just to start with that. And I think it's really important though, that if we want to continue to see our scene grow and be a cool place that we want to be a part in and also make sure that people stick around then we need to really focus on these things. And I think there's, you know, the, uh, oh, and uh, I missed the other big one of like the, the extreme dismissal of sexual assault and misbehavior that our scene had. Like, I think these are things that we really need to address. And I know that it can be really tricky when we're a global scene. And so it's like, you have different countries, you have different cultures. And yes, there's all sorts of dynamics that come with that. And we have to be super careful of, remembering how we're handling that and remembering there's just different dynamics of like what might be, um, you know, inappropriate in one culture is not inappropriate in a different culture. And so we have to find those balances within our global scene. And that's not easy. And that means we have to put in the time and it's hard because not everyone wants to put in the time, but I think it definitely, this feeling of, well, it's not my problem. I don't need to put in the time. I'm just here to dance. I think that as itself, it would be so great if that went away so that it actually made it better for everyone to actually have a good time. Because that feeling of, oh, well, I'm fine. I don't need to worry about it really makes it hard for so many people. And if just everyone was like, hey, is the person next to me comfortable? Right. Like if everyone thought that is the person next to me comfortable, do they feel safe? Do they feel invited? Do they feel OK in this room? If everybody in the room did that, it's just like, cool, we can start to solve this so easily. But it takes all of us to think in that way. So I think if we just like tackle that, it will help to tackle all these other issues that we kind of were like we've touched on, but are like they're under the surface and we can definitely do more progress on them. And I, I see that we're you know, doing it online, some of us and like making some progress, but it's, it's not an easy fix. Like this, none of these things are band-aid fixes, right? Like we have to actually dig into them and work on them to fix yeah. them. So it's, it's been kind of a perfect time to reflect on that. I, I definitely caught myself, you know, just, it's a weird thing of not having so much classes as before and then mm -hmm. having so much space to think of how how to make it better and how to mm -hmm. contribute and how to show a better example. 
and you know like you have ideas but yet you don't really have opportunities to start implementing things so it's like you're left with these like thoughts of like okay when, when I'm gonna be back to teaching how do I want to do it how do I want to you know implement history treating each other accepting each other mm -hmm. and all of those things you know that for now they're like in our heads and they're I guess just marinating there until something comes out yeah it's really it's it's super interesting too I think like watching conversations finally take place that sometimes I'm sitting here going like I've been having this conversations for years or I've been saying this for years in in private conversations or saying this in class and you're like how are you just now saying this how are you just now thinking about this but also again like not everyone has had the time not everyone has had the understanding so that's super interesting but I try really hard when like those moments happen. It's like, I have this little self-talk cycle of like, hey, can we also reevaluate this? Can like, why don't we add more thoughts? Uh, somehow I'm now a we, I don't know. <laughs> Apparently when I talk to myself, I become a we. <laughs> like, okay, <laughs> the two of us, me and my mind combined, we'll, we'll think on this. There's so much time to like think. And like you said, you're just like, I don't know, like looking at your cat, your dog, you're like, hmm, what if, okay, no, it's not going to work. <laughs> I need a real person. <laughs> From what I've seen on social media, mm -hmm. you are quite an open person when it comes to sharing not only the good, but I would say, you know, the difficult as well. Mm -hmm. And uh, this is not a, such a usual thing, I would say, at least from the let's say, okay, full-time dancers that I see from, you know, mm -hmm. there's more like dance videos and like kind of these are the fun activities I'm doing rather than today I have a shitty day, this happened, or I'm just feeling insecure. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. yeah, like how is is sharing those things for you a way to, to deal with it, find support? Yes. <laughs> I think it's a combination. I think so there there's some pieces of this of for more than one time in my life I've had people who have, you know, we've had the conversation and they're like, "Wow, I'm so glad we got to talk because, you know, I just I just really thought you were going to be such a bitch." Or like <laughs> you or I've had the conversations of like oh yeah, I just, you know, I always see you and like you're working. And so I, I didn't know if, you know, if you had time to talk. And I think those type of conversations have made me realize that like, there's a lot of us that fall into this category and it's really easy to see teachers as not normal people. You know, and I think we've, we've seen some of the, the toxic part of this when it comes to some of the behavior in the scene, right? Of like people get away with behavior when you're known in the community. And I think that can be really detrimental. And so I think it's super important for people to see that teachers are real people, but also I just think it's good that like, I don't know. It, I, I think of myself as someone who is actually very, very caring and, you know, really goes above and beyond in so many situations. And it's, taken me a long time to like recognize those traits in myself. And so I think also making myself be a little bit vulnerable kind of helps with that. And it's really, really easy, like you said before, to, to take things personally in this job. And 
I like, I don't know, one, one point ages ago, like posted something where I was kind of not feeling great. And the number of people that messaged me and were like, thank you so much for saying this. Thank you for sharing this. It's so great to hear other people going through this, or it's so great to see all the resources that people posted in the thread or like, wow, thank you for doing this. Like, I never knew that teachers also felt this way, you know, just things along those lines that it was like, oh my God, this is so important that we do this. And also like, it made me feel good. Like I was like, oh, hey, like me saying that I also like had this day that was super crappy and other people being like, oh yeah, I also had a crappy day. You know what? I'm going to share that too. It was like, oh, we're, we all have these. And it just kind of gave this like uplifting thing, whether that's, you know, like you have a bad day or like you dance with, um, I don't know, like the one that comes to mind sometimes is like the, yeah, there's definitely like other pro teachers that I've danced with where I've been like, that was a horrible dance. That did not go well. Like (laughs) what just happened? Like we don't dance well together. And then you have that conversation with someone who's not a teacher and they're like, what? And you're like, yeah, sometimes people just like don't connect well. It's fine. You're not a bad person. You're not a bad dancer. Like shit happens. (laughs) Like it's just (laughs) fine. Right. But it's like amazing that we just sometimes forget that this is the case or that like, sometimes we all look in the mirror and we're like, ugh, you feel that way. But it's so nice to be reminded. And I think just with social media, it's so easy to only post the things that we feel good about. And I'm so guilty of it, you know, like 30 selfies. And it's like, okay, finally, this is the one that I'm going to post. And then I go, ugh, I guess I should maybe also post one that I don't like. Cause that's real, you know, like, it's also real. It's so important to not lose the realness. I think especially this last year when like you don't have the in-person conversations and you don't have the ability to, you know, see all the weird faces people make on the dance floor. And so it's like, don't untag that horrible photo of me where I look awful. No, leave it. That's real. That's the face I made while having a great dance. Leave it there. Like, That's the face I made while eating that slice of pizza that my friend thought was hilarious. Share it with the world. Bring joy to their life, too. And so, yeah, like, it's it's not always easy. It's definitely, like, sometimes, like, there are definitely times where, you know, I go through and I write something and then I rewrite it and then I rewrite it. Or I'll, like, take pictures and then delete those pictures and then take them again. It's just, like, it, I don't know. It's it's still a process, though. It's definitely still a process. <laughs> I, I remember when the thread that you started, and I think it got quite a lot of responses. That probably was a while ago. Uh, it was about body image and how people mm-hmm. feel about their bodies and insecurities mm-hmm. around that. And I just remember seeing that whole discussion and it was so beautiful because people from like all around, you know, started sharing their experiences mm-hmm. of feeling that they don't meet a certain standard that they don't look a certain way for a Lindy Mm -hmm. Hopper or you know all of those things that there's not maybe so much space to talk about it because maybe you know it's not the thing first thing you're going to talk about when you are in a party listening to live music (laughs) (laughs) yeah oh my gosh I honestly just thinking about that thread I'm seriously tearing up right now because um I just remember how many people were on there and just felt like they didn't belong. And I think that, sorry, (laughs) I think that's just like so, so hard because 
you might have to edit this out. Who knows? <laughs> but it's just so hard because I really think that when I think about the swing dances that we do, whether it's Lindy Hop or Balboa, St. Louis Shag, Collegiate Shag, et cetera, like there is not a body for these dances. There isn't. And the fact that so many people, you know, and yes, again, I think it was probably primarily women and non-binary identifying folks, but like so many people just felt like they don't belong or they don't have the body for these dances. And I was like, this is bullshit. (laughs) None of us should feel this way. Like we should all feel like we belong in these dances because we do. And it was just, it was really, really emotional. And I had a lot of private conversations with, with that thread as well, because obviously not everyone wanted to publicly comment on it. And it was just like, wow, you know, not only the personal reminder of like, there's so many people that feel this way, but also just the man, our scene is not doing what we should be doing if this many people feel this. Like, and the number of teachers that were like writing me, like, I feel like I lose teaching gigs when my body shape changes. I feel like I don't get asked to dance as much. Like teachers, the people that we're supposed to be putting our our trust in, you know, like if they're feeling this way, then of course, you know, the other attendees are feeling this way. And it's like, this, this shouldn't be what we're doing we really clearly are missing the mark on this. And that was, you know, not something new as like an idea, but it was just so reinforced that I definitely got emotional then, like I just did now because it's just, it's so important. No, it's wild. It's because if Lindy Hop is not the place for, you know, whole body times, then I don't know which dance (laughs) is because, Mm -hmm. you know, I guess there are, you know, certain dances that have a more rigid rules on how a dancer should be. And I remember when I started dancing, you know, and I would tell people that I'm a dancer, I'm a dancing people who wouldn't know Lindy Hop. They were like, but what, how are you? You're not a dancer. You're so short, like, you know, kind of on this, on this idea that, and, <laughs> and it made me think, I'm like, yeah, well, at some point I, until I actually saw short followers, I was like, oh, mm-hmm okay, actually it's possible in the Lindy Hop. I'm just not a dancer in maybe other dances where they need long legs and whatever not. But it it, it does come of like, you know, do I fit here because I have to look a certain way? You know, and yeah. um, and maybe there's not enough examples also in the community mm-hmm. of people being professional dancers or competing on a high level. And, you know, maybe we seeing just enough of different body shapes and so on. I think it's such a such a big topic. It's just never I haven't really talked too much about it with anyone from Mm -hmm. the community. It's almost like, you know, many people feel a certain way, but they do not find a way to share it. I think body, body confidence, body image ideas, body um like self-esteem, all those things are just really hard for people to talk about because it's not something that, you know, like if you are comfortable with how you look, oftentimes you're treated as stuck up or like full of yourself. And so you either are not talking about it because of that, or you're not talking about it because, you know, like, oh, you shouldn't complain about, you know, like, it's just a weird thing that people don't want to talk about, but it's so clearly something we all 
maybe not all, but like 99% of us struggle with in some form or fashion. And, you know, I, this idea of like, like you said, like there shouldn't be a certain body type for this dance, like, or dances in swing dancing. It really should, we should all be just like excited to show how our body can do these dances. Cause that's really what it's about. Like, yeah, it really is. And I really, really hope that there will become more and more examples of different body types dancing. And I think there's this tricky thing that our scene has done over the last whatever number of years of like performances equals YouTube equals teaching gigs. And it's maybe not always the case, right? Like we should be excited to see lots of different people, lots of different levels, lots of different styles in performances and good performers don't necessarily mean good teachers. Good teachers don't necessarily mean good performers. Good performers don't necessarily mean good competitors, right? Like there's all these different pieces that we've kind of lumped everybody into one thing. And it'd be really, really exciting to see like what could happen if an event could bring in these people to perform and these people teach classes in this topic. And then this is the contest format. Like that'd be really cool. What could that look like? Like, what would we see? And if we really started thinking about the different things that we value in the dance, like, will we start seeing differences in who we're seeing versus just kind of always thinking about contests in the same way, right? Like, how many of the the same mix and match Jack and Jill type formats have you seen? Like the same contest, and it's like, cool. What if we What if we did something different? Yeah. What would that look like? Who would we see in the finals? What if we did this strictly, um, a strictly contest different? I know one of the the formats that I've been like weirdly excited about after going to some Carolina Shag Festival stuff was the way that they had handled their strictlies was the couples knew the song. Like they they could pick the song ahead of time. And so like everybody would choose their song or get assigned the song, but you know what it is ahead of time. And it still wasn't choreographed in the finals. Like you couldn't do choreography. You could have like the little mini choreos that they have, but it was all social dancing, but they knew the songs. And so you might have couples who had the same songs or maybe they're different, but I was like, what would that look like in Lindy Hop or Balboa or St. Louis Shag? And then they get, they got like a minute and a half for each finalist. So like you actually get to dance out the song. And I was like, man, that'd be so cool how would that go? Like, what would that look like? So, you know, just taking different ideas of like that and changing the tempos, right? Changing the tempos that change who we see, changing what type of performances we're looking for, right? Is it always the teachers performing at the weekend or is it, I don't know, maybe other people that want to perform, forget the teachers performances, showcase other people, like just start to do these different things. And maybe we'd start to see, more body types and more styles and more people and I think that'd be really cool yeah well I think one of the festivals that actually inspired me a lot last year was Lindy Focus Mm -hmm. because I think the amazing part was that there are these parties that are just parties with live music for dancing with very little other things and then you have like the late night and you have as well live music, but here you have like all the performances and, and, you know, competitions and so on. And I found it really cool because you come and you actually, you know, you, you party 
for a, <laughs> you know in the evening and you don't see people like stretching and repeating their routines and so on you know <laughs> that a lot of times happens if you have a competition mm-hmm. at you know 11 like the whole night for some people are just like getting ready mentally for that strictly so yeah. I found that really cool and those you know like little ideas but you are also you know one of the main people in in Lindy Focus have mm-hmm. you been experimenting through the years with these formats? Yeah. I, so um, last year I was the most involved in the late nights and the competitions as I've been like over the years prior. So it's kind of been this like slow build of being more and more involved in those pieces. And I was so incredibly happy with how last year turned out. Like it was, it was great. i absolutely loved it. And, you know, I spent a lot of, a lot of time sorting out on my own, like the ideas of what I wanted to see happen there. And then also, of course, talking with Michael Gamble, also, uh, John Tiger helped a lot and Shawnee Brown as well, just giving like really amazing discussions and soundboard and like, just really talking about what we wanted to see there. And, you know, one of the things that I think Lindy Focus has really tried to do with that stuff is that we do keep the main evening as much as we can the music. And like, of course there's still band breaks. Like, please, please give those people a break. Like they need it. They're working so hard, but you know, we really tried to do things that don't, you know, we didn't want the huge, like, Oh, this contest is going to take 45 minutes. And not that that is a bad thing. Like there are definitely events that that is what we want to do, but for Lindy focus, that wasn't what we wanted. So the structure of like having some of those prelims for certain divisions in like the late afternoon, early evening, so that if there is a contest final during the band breaks, it's super quick. Um, And really trying to limit that to things where we would only want DJ music. That was the other piece of like, we have these amazing bands and yes, it's really cool for contests, but also like, let's just let people dance to them. Like, let's do that. And we also really wanted to find, you know, like ways of when we think about focus and like where that event came from and what it's built to and who we're trying to showcase, like we're not trying to be an event that is like, ah, we want it to be like, this is the ultimate contest. Like, no, we want these to be fun contests. We want people to be excited. We want them to be casual in some ways. Like we want just people to be comfortable And so I think like putting all these ideas together and then really seeing like, where does that net out? Where does that put us? What divisions do we want? If that's our idea behind it and spending a lot of time thinking about that and then figuring out like, okay, cool. So like we have this idea and then like late nights. Yeah. So basically like we, we gather this inspiration from some of the stuff Andrew Thigpen had done previously and just the vibe that you know, I remember when I had first gone to Lady Focus and like the feeling that I had at late nights and I wanted to really bring that back. And, you know, I think that it's really important that events grow and they change, but then sometimes there's like a character that you still want to find a way to fit it in. So that was kind of what we were going for. And I think you hadn't been there when we still had the New Year's Eve performances. Yeah. So we used to have this like big New Year's Eve performance and it kind of did the same thing where it started off 
it was, you know, really cool choreographies and it was DJed and then it like built more and more into a show and it was amazing. And then we were like, cool, let's add live music. So then it was like this show with live music. And so then he's like, you got to this point where you hit a year where you're like, cool, what else can we do? And so you're like, okay, maybe that's our last year with that. And so we had stopped it. Which, you know, gave a, pe- a lot of people their their free time back, get rid of the rehearsal, you know, everything. <laughs> but there was something really amazing about when you think about Lindy Focus and you have all these amazing dancers together. You have all these amazing musicians together and you're like, we got to have dancers with the, perform with these musicians. And it was like a couple years ago, John and I, John Tiger and I were in this conversation and we were basically like, what if we asked Michael if we could... Comp- I don't know, like perform at late night with the band. No, he won't go for it. But what if we just, uh, you know, it was like this back and forth. The fire, we're like, we're just going to ask. He's going to say no. He's going to think we're crazy. And we're like, hey, Michael, we have this idea. And of course, Michael being Michael was like, yes, I'm in. I love it. Let's do it. <laughs> and so we did that a few years ago and it was super fun. It was just two performances, I think. Um, maybe three. I don't know anymore. But it was great. We loved it. And then the next year, everybody was like, where are these performances? Where are they? This was great. We love this. And so, of course, then we were like, okay, we've got to make this happen again. And so kind of like taking that, taking this inspiration and really thinking about the contest and like, again, all the character, the event, we really started to craft this idea of what I wanted to do was like open the late nights with this inspiration of the dancers dancing with the band and really seeing like the interaction between the dancers and the musicians and the fact that people, you know, were learning stuff, but then they were showing up and they're having rehearsal with the band. They get two times to run through it with the band and they perform it. And I wanted people to see that. Like I wanted to see the improv that goes with that, but also the hard work behind it. And just like the mixture between the two groups of people. And also the fact that, you could do it and it's still like, whatever, it is two o'clock in the morning and this is just fun. Like we want to be doing this. And I think that's so important for people to remember that like, yes, there's performances and yes, sometimes they're stressful, but also this is just cool. This is so cool. And this is so fun. And just like kick off the late night with that vibe. And then I think it really worked. And then it was like, cool, we do that. And then it's like, let's just do a fun contest. Like these are the contests that it's not always about like who's the quote unquote best dancer in the room because what does that really even mean but just like it's fun like let's just whatever it's again two o'clock in the morning let's see what happens probably chaos (laughs) (laughs) most likely chaos (laughs) how how long have you and john been dancing together partnering up Uh, i just saw a thing uh, seven years, seven and a half, maybe eight years. I don't know. He's going to hear this and be mad. I don't know. Actually, he won't care. <laughs> He'd probably also give the wrong number <laughs> somewhere around there. It's somewhere it's in there. Pretty, it's quite a long yeah. partnership already. Yeah. It's been, it's been a good time. Yeah. What are like the main things that made it work all these years? Probably getting used to each other <laughs> like that's one that's important um, that's for a an important thing <laughs> yeah I think we had like in the very very beginning of our partnership we had this like weird semi-serious talk where it was like 
we think that our ideas like in the dance really work well together. We really value the other person's contributions and therefore like we are going to do what we need, like what it takes to keep this partnership as a partnership. Um, that's a very abbreviated version, obviously, (laughs) you know, there was a lot more to it, but basically like we really saw the value in the other person from the very beginning and just really committed to making that work because it is so hard to find, like you can find people that you love dancing with. That's not hard, but then you're like, cool, now let's talk about it. And you're like, oh, we completely disagree which is fascinating because you know, like the number of times this happens where I'm like, I love dancing with you. And then we talk about it and then they're like, blah, blah, blah. I think this. And I'm like, I hate that idea. That's a terrible idea. <laughs> what? And so I'm like, oh, yeah. well, okay. That would be a weird class to run. But <laughs> also like, I think sometimes that's really cool of like teaching with someone who thinks about things very differently than you. Right. And so I think just, I don't know, like we, we had this approach of like, we find the value in this and we want to keep that value. And there are definitely things we didn't agree on, but we still were like, let's figure this out of either like, do we find our common ground or do we find a way to teach in a way that's like, I think about it this way. You think about it this way. That's how we're going to present it. And I think honestly, just the stubbornness between the two of us meant it was like, we're going to do this because neither of us are going to not let it happen. And so it's been really cool. Like it's, I, I feel really, really lucky in the friendship that I have with him and the friendship that I also have with his wife, Samantha, and that like he has with my husband, Toby. I think it's really, really cool that we have that. And I'm super grateful (laughs) that we have survived the partnership. (laughs) I mean, it's, I don't know. I almost, for me, like dance partnerships that, you know, last for a long time. I almost am more like, not jealous, but I'm just uh, in awe of them rather than Mm -hmm. someone being in a relationship for seven years, you know, because just dance (laughs) partnerships, they're like so intense, especially if you like travel together and stay in the same places and teach. and. Oh my gosh. Like this is... When you think about like some of the hotel rooms that you've had to stay in and I'm like, I definitely have had hotel rooms where I've been like, there's not a door to the toilet. There's not a door to the shower, you know, like whatever crazy things. And you're like, well, good thing we're friends. Exactly. <laughs> and, you're like, and, you know, maybe not every partner, uh, non-dance partnership has those situations that you have to deal with. So because I, you know, sometimes what happens is that you can have fun dancing with someone, you can have fun even teaching, and you can even agree on the same ideas, but yet that third component of like friendship and just being really cool with each other and having, yeah. you know, the, the extra time. Because when you're in a festival, like, okay, there's a part where you're teaching and preparing for classes, but another big part is just like hanging out together. Mm-hmm. So you really want to hang out with each other. Oh yeah. Else it's not really going to work, I think, or it's going to be just way more difficult. Yeah. I, again, like I've had people where I've been like, oh yeah, like we have similar ideas. Maybe they fun, be fun to teach with. And you like, maybe I teach with them like once and I'm like, wow, it was a good class, but like, we didn't hang out. We didn't talk. Like we don't, it's not that it's like bad. It was just so different. I was like, okay, 
that's cool. <laughs> that's the thing where it's like, I don't know. It's really nice to have the person that you can, you know, I don't know, be grumpy with when you need to be grumpy in the morning or, you know, you're like super, super tired and they're like, cool, I'll take care of this thing for you. And that's really, really amazing to have. Um, I mean, to be clear, it has not always been easy or great, you know, like we've had our ups and downs, we have everything, but you know, I think most healthy relationships probably have their ups and downs. Or, yeah, for so. sure. Do you think um, dance partnership and a relationship with the same person? Yes or no? <laughs> Possible um, or not? <laughs> you know, there are definitely people who have done it. And I think most of them are Swedish. But... <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, yeah, I mean, I think people like there are people who definitely can do it. Um, I don't think for me. Why not? No. Uh, I mean, so John and I definitely dated when we first started working together and that did not go well. It just was not a good thing. And with, with Toby, my husband, I think that if we ever worked together, we'd probably also hate each other. So <laughs> I think it's just better. <laughs> It's good. And again, like there are definitely people who can do it. And I'm like, good for you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm good. Not that way. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't know. I think it's also like, I think it's super, super healthy in, um, in life to have people that fill different needs. And I think that's really cool. And obviously if you have one person that fills like a lot of your needs, great. But it's also totally cool to be like, this friend is who I go to for this thing. And this is the person I go to for this thing. And that's basically how I feel. I'm like, I have things that if I'm going to complain, I go to John. And other things that if I'm going to complain about it, I go to Toby. And other things that I have like my best friends, like my best girlfriends group, and I go to them. You know, like, it's just different things of like, I don't know, who's going to understand this complaint the best? (laughs) I totally get it. (laughs) <laughs> like I'm definitely gonna go to John when I'm like I miss airport lounges because he understands he gets it Toby would be like okay <laughs> <laughs> great that's cool get on the get on the get on the Uvan and go to the airport like whatever <laughs> it's different so I think it's cool being for such a long time in the community and then now you probably, you know, having new work colleagues that I guess are not swing dancers. Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> Do you feel that you had to, I don't know, readjust or, you know, coming from like spending time in one community and then being in a different environment? Did you feel a change or that was relatively easy? Uh, yes and no. I mean, I think there's, so many changes over this last year it's hard to pinpoint like where it comes from but I think in general it's just figuring out what to talk about all the time is my biggest thing of like oh do I do I talk about work do I talk about dancing do I talk about shoes do I talk about the weather like what I don't know it's COVID. Everything sucks. Like, what do I talk about? Like, basically, that's what I talk about. So it's, I don't know. It's cool, though, because I think I'm finding the ability to both expand on things that I have in my conversations, but also weirdly find a narrowing of, like, I have nothing to talk about. 
<laughs> like I have no updates. <laughs> it's the same. I sat in front of a computer. I pet my dog. I ate food. I went to sleep. Oh, I watched some sort of movie TV show on a screen. <laughs> that's that's the update. Like it's always the same. So yeah, I don't know. It's hard to say like how much of that was a transition. So I know what you mean. Like I keep of like work, work versus the thing. Yeah. Yeah. I keep complaining, you know, that we cannot see people and I miss my friends and so on. But then when the opportunity is there to like go for a walk with a friend, I feel also a bit, I don't know, lazy, but not really lazy. I just feel like, what are we going to talk about? Like, I just, <laughs> like, oh. I don't know. Like everything happens, but nothing really happens. You yeah. know? <laughs> no, exactly. I'm always like, oh, I miss my friends. And then I'm like, what do I say to them? What do I tell them? I don't know. And I never, I never had that. Like, I definitely had that in groups of people that I didn't know. Right. Like I definitely put me in a group of people I don't know. And I'm like, oh, what do I say? <laughs> but if it's people I know, it's like my friends, then it, it generally would just be super easy flow of conversation. And now I definitely find myself being like, so yeah, what did you do today? <laughs> it just feels very awkward. Yeah. In a way that I'm like, oh, okay. But it's just, I don't, I don't know, because you don't have the same interactions happening. You don't have the same type of things. You know, like you don't have the, oh my gosh, you won't believe what happened to me today on the bus. Or like, you won't believe what happened in the airport, right? Or like, oh, yeah, this crazy class I had today, right? Like you just don't have these things. You're like, yeah. Life. Today was another day. <laughs> <laughs> the same as yesterday. <laughs> Uh, and to to round off, just wanted to ask you, how are the shoes going? Did They're going slowly but surely. Yeah, I think you know. Unfortunately, I, the timing is just you know like everything probably in the last year is like super unfortunate. I think they were doing really great. Like I was really building the brand. I was getting out to festivals, and then obviously you know the global pandemic struck, and then it definitely slowed down because people don't have the opportunity. Like the brand was so new that it was like, Oh, well, I haven't seen them as much or I haven't gotten to try them on yet. And so there definitely was like this slowdown, but it's still, you know, it's still going. And I think as people more and more people buy them and so more people see them or try them on, then there's more reference points. So there's more people, you know, just seeing them in pictures. So hopefully it'll pick back up. And, you know, obviously I think once there are events again, then it would definitely pick up again. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm still really, really proud of what I produced and like really grateful that like everybody that has a pair is like, oh my God, these are amazing. Like they're so comfortable or like they're so sturdy. And especially the higher heels, I, I worked super, super hard to make them incredibly balanced and like comfortable because I wanted to be able to Lindy Hop or St. Louis Shag or Balboa in them. And I was like, if I'm making shoes, I want them to be this way. Um, and so I think it's just, again, like it was like building momentum and then it was like pandemic. And luckily it didn't just like plummet. It's just more like, okay, we're going to plateau for a while. Yeah. And so I'm hoping that that will upturn a bit once we you know, I don't know, once people aren't losing their jobs or like worried about their health and safety every day. Yeah. <laughs> I think once people get out of their pajamas. Yeah. And, and also you know, that. Like, like dressing up. 
Like, does anyone wear anything besides house shoes, slippers, whatever you want to call them? I'm like, because I don't. Like, unless I go, I'm either barefoot or I'm in my Birkenstock slippers. That's it. Like, I don't wear real shoes unless I have to go outside. And then in the winter, it's my snow boots. Like, that's... Like, it doesn't matter what the temperature is. I'm like, it's winter, snow boots. <laughs> so I think, it, but I think like so many small businesses, you know, I think probably, honestly, if you asked any of the other brands, even if we're all doing okay, we're all doing okay, right? Like it's, everybody could be doing better, but I think we're yeah. all just trying to do the best we can and like put on a face not put on a fake face, but just like, you know, you, you have to keep pushing through and do what you can do. And you start to see it of like different delays of release dates or limited stock or, you know, like (laughs) even the, the outdoor gear store next to us, it's like, well, we just can't reorder until we have enough other sales to like reorder this thing. And so I think it's, it's pretty pretty common that everybody's kind of just doing the best they can <laughs> through it so totally. ah thank you very much Zena. that was you're welcome super cool conversation thank you for sharing yes. all the things thank you for asking me and talking to me it's so nice thank you for tuning in to what a jazz podcast i'm your host elza vishnevskita big shout out to Dimitrio Papa, who created the soundtrack, and Luna Vilnishkita for the design. Share, comment, and send us your questions about the episode. You can follow What a Jazz Dance Studio on Facebook for more updates. Take care, until next time. Mm-hmm.